Hi, Marissa here. I hope everyone enjoyed their holidays. Now here's my gift to you. It's extra drama from Sweet Valley High Book 2, Secret. I'll continue the discussion with my guest, Adora Nuandu, as we explore her evolution into a keeper of the divine secrets of the Wakefield twins while she was growing up in England and Nigeria. So I'm here with Adora Nuandu, and one thing that I really wanted to talk with you about is you said that you read the Sweet Valley High novels as a girl. Yes. But unlike other friends of mine who have read the series, you weren't reading the books here in America. Nope. You were reading about California twins and their friends in Sweet Valley, California, uh, from another place. I was just hoping you would talk a little bit about where you were and what that was like. Um, I stumbled upon the Sweet Valley Twins just completely by myself. I was in a bookshop um, when I was little and my, I was a voracious reader. My mum would just let me go mad in this bookshop and just buy as many mm-hmm. books as I wanted. And I came across this tiny series of Sweet Valley Twins. I thought, oh, this looks interesting. These little girls are older than I am and I don't know where they are, but the cover was fascinating enough for me to go for it. So I think I bought one initially. I had my mum pay for one. I must have been about eight. So we're talking about 30 years ago. Um, and well, where were you? Oh, I was in England. I was in England at the time. And so she, I bought one and it was pretty good. Um, so um, next time we went to the shop, I saw there was a whole series. So we bought a bunch of them. And I remember taking them to boarding school with me the following year or two years afterwards. And I had a, a pretty hefty collection by then. I would say at least 15, 20. And People would borrow. That was the thing I remember the most about my first term. Everyone borrowed my books and no one ever returned them. So you had a lending library. I essentially had, or well, a taking I, library. Yeah, a, a gifting library, it turned out. Um, and my teachers got quite concerned because I, I would just, I think my mum would mention that I never came back with any books. And it didn't bother me. I just thought, well, I've read them and I'm happy other people are reading them. So it was, it was a pleasure. But we, I don't remember us ever talking about these kids in sixth grade who lived in California and the only reference I had then was they're 12 years old so that must be the age you are in sixth grade and that was my anchor for kind of trying to understand where these older kids were coming from. Well Uh, even the concept of sixth grade the way that you guys talk about grades in England is different. Completely. So grade six would have been something. I know for us, I was in a, an interesting boarding school as well. So for us, it would have been, let me see, at 10, you're in lower three. So 11, you're in upper three, lower four. So my school did the system of lower than upper, lower than upper. Um, so it would have been lower four, which for us was like the oldest kids in our little junior house before you go on to the senior school where everyone's like really old. So they, they seemed like they were pretty mature, but... They didn't act like they were mature, but I do remember just being slightly fascinated. But then, um, after boarding school, I went back to Nigeria, and by then I was into Sweet Valley High. Um, so I think at the age of 12, 13, I had at least 20 or so Sweet Valley High novels, and I was the official lending library in Enugu. And um, I'd learnt my lesson from boarding school where everyone used to complain I never kept any of the books. I wrote my name, my address in every single book and lots of people would come and try and borrow them. But I was, I was 
puritanical with the boring. I would give everyone a book to write and sign and follow <laughs> up. And, and still, it was seen as this huge, huge honour to be allowed to take one of the Sweet Valley Highs from Adora's library because she was very, very strict about who she lent them to. Um, but again, we never really discussed the fact that contextually it made very little sense to us, apart from the fact that, yeah, we're in Enugu, which is also a small town with a vibrant community. There's lots of ranges of economy, people with good money and new money and people with old money. And I don't know, it was just very, we could we could relate on that side. And of course, the weather, the California weather was very ah, similar to very what similar. we were we were experiencing and the cliqueiness of it. And just as you go through the years, but again, high school junior they were freshmen it was the we basic had a concept yeah. of um there are juniors in the yes. book but the basic concept of what is this high school and yeah. where are they and who are these people and what are the things they care exactly. about exactly um was unfamiliar in Enugu. yeah it was it was it was familiar in terms of what they cared about just the actual, the structures of their school, that was unfamiliar. But we, we definitely could relate to what they were going through because, as I described in our episode two, I ended up going through something like that later. So I, I had the books and I, I would read them for a few years. But um, it was, for me, I think what holds the biggest memory is how the books circulated and how it just became a thing in our town, Adora's Sweet Valley High Library. Oh, I can picture it. And years later, I think at least a decade later, I think sometime in my 20s, I got this random call from this guy saying he's now at that point in his life where he's ready to forgive me. That um, I had one of my best friends was his crush throughout school. And he loved everything about her. And just because I'd taken against him, she would just not even exchange the time of day with him. However, at one point, he managed to get hold of one of my Sweet Valley Highs. And he saw some crumbs in them. And he could imagine that my friend must have read this book at some point because she was in my inner circle and only my inner circle would get these books easily so he imagined that that crumb might be hers and so he'd saved them and eaten some of them just to feel close to her and just I mean like it was it was such an interesting part of my life these sweet valley highs and just how they come around and go around and they'll they'll still be something that people talk about how Adora's ironclad hold on her sweet valley highs when I was there back in Nigeria is just yeah such a thing I am sure that through the life of this podcast I will have many guests but I (laughs) highly doubt that any of them will have a story like that I I love that I'm picturing I'm remembering now that I had some book plates that I was given as a gift that I put in the front of as many of my books as possible. Mm. This book belongs to Marissa. Yes. So, you know, I would scroll it in there and, and <laughs> stick it in there. And I loved these book plates. And I never loaned my books to a soul. <laughs> People saw them and looked at them, but oh I, never my goodness. Even, I never even thought to loan my books out. I, you know? I, Maybe I, I did. Maybe I offered. I don't know. It's, it's such a weird thing. I think instinctually in me. I always saw books as something that should be shared, but it was, I got such terrible feedback about never having any of my books back. When I was younger, I, I became the person who from your would, parents. from parents, from my teachers who were so concerned, they felt as if I'd probably go home without the shirt on my back if I continued oh. the way I was going. So I thought, okay, 
things need to be kept and you need to get things back and you need to be very, very careful who you lend things to. So that was the spirit I had. But um, when I left Nigeria, it was also something that friends were talking about and cousins and different people. I left and I left my room unguarded and all the Sweet Valley Highs were lined up and Sweet Valley Twins were lined up on my bookshelf. But the first thing everyone did when I left to go back to England to go to university for a few years was they went and they plundered my library. So even now you go to different parts of Enugu, you will see a Sweet Valley High on someone's bookshelf and it's probably mine because they weren't coming in from anywhere else. It was just, it's such a funny thing. And I remember everyone being like, We've got your books now. And me thinking, this is hilarious. I don't That's even care. amazing. I don't even you care. Brought them, you'd brought them with you from England. I brought them. And back. Every time I came to England on vacation, I'd just buy a few more. So my collection just continued to grow. And once I've read it once, they're not the sort of things that you necessarily feel like you need to go back to. So Unless in theory, yeah, well, or, <laughs> or 15, 20 years later, you, you go back to them and you enjoy it. But um, they weren't something you would hold down for reference, which is probably why I didn't learn the lesson I should have learned from Secrets. Um, but it was, it, even now, I know it's just so funny. And I'm back to that spirit with books again, where once I've read it and I lend it out, I don't really care if I get it back. Right. Now, yeah. I love to lend books. It's yeah. uh, so nice to be able to share the mm. thing that you've read with your friend. Yeah. In fact, you read a book and think, oh, I wish that my particular friend had this same yes. insight. I think this would be helpful yes. to them. And, Absolutely. And you give it to them, lend it to them, mm. hoping that they'll actually yeah. read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's been a fun thing about already about doing this podcast mm-hmm. is that it's been fun to share uh, the books with friends and talk about mm-hmm. them something that is special to me so I appreciate that it is also very special to you <laughs> really on a much like deeper more elemental level I think than even <laughs> even to myself so that's beautiful yeah I think that's why when I came across the fact that you you were doing vlogs on this and I I really haven't talked about them with anyone in decades I think the last time I had a conversation about them was when there was a tv series and I kept thinking these girls don't look like what we were taught by the covers no we know from these James Matthews (laughs) photos sorry I even call them photos the paintings are so beautiful yeah that is what these girls look like absolutely absolutely Um, In fact, actually, in this book, Secrets, mm -hmm. there is a time when it is described that Enid has her hair pulled up in uh, combs, like Mm -hmm. like diamond combs or crystal. And I was trying to picture it, and I was thinking, but Enid has such short hair. And I just, uh, Enid had not been depicted at this point the book was written. But later on, she would get her own covers and she would have this sort of short, you know, only like ear length hair. Yeah, but it was, am I forgetting now? Because I I feel like it was short and it was ear length, but it was kind of slightly wavy. Or was it just straight and pixie-ish? Because I imagined her as a young Emma Sams from Dynasty when she was still playing, I think, Fallon or something like that. Ah. So that was my image of Enid, just um, short kind of, and I could imagine absolutely, because you wouldn't be able to tie hair like that back. It would have to be combs that would hold it up because you can't gather yes. it together. Yes, exactly. So, so you I can thought, picture yeah. the combs, mm. but I was just trying in my mind's mm. eye to get a clear sense of what they meant mm-hmm. by, by mm-hmm. up with combs. And Bruce Patman, oh my goodness. he's He's another one who's just... 
largely because of the paintings, but I think even without the paintings, I think of Bruce Patman as looking kind of like a human Ken doll. But he's dark head, no? But he has That's laser true. blue Some eyes. Kens have dark that hair. That is true. That is but you're true. right, the typical Ken. Oh, you're right. Ina's hair is a little bit longer. Yeah, I remember also, yeah, that's very Emma Sams-ish. But I remember how, just reading it again, how the blondness was just seen as the epitome of beauty, that if you were blonde, you were in. And then the dark-haired people were lucky if they were pretty as well, because, you know, despite their dark hair, they were able to rise above it and be gorgeous. And I I thought, I must have taken a lot of that in, because when I was young... And first back in England, I went for the blonde, blue-eyed, Kendall type people. And I thought, this is Sweet Valley. That's what indoctrinated me. But, interesting. Um, well, that's something that is, in my mind's eye, also is kind of interesting to think about you and your friends mm. in Nigeria mm-hmm. reading the books about these almost exclusively white people in yep. the beautiful blondes. Mm-hmm. And most of them are very beautiful mm-hmm. Californians. And did it seem exotic or...? It did seem exotic but then again most of the films we watched depicted westerners and so it was in that same context um but then as i think what made them even more powerful as images for us is that they were around our age as opposed to a lot of people we're seeing back then who were a lot older we weren't getting the same shows apart from fresh prints um a bel-air that showed anyone around our age so, yeah, we had Fresh Prince and then we had the young people in Sweet Valley High. <laughs> well, I do love to think of the idea that predominantly you guys were relating to these characters mm, rather than seeing them. Absolutely. The ways in which they were different from you. So. I think especially somewhere like Enugu where it felt like a Sweet Valley. And yes, Enugu, you mentioned that in the last week's episode. Exactly. And also the fact that Enugu translates to be being on top of a hill that is what the name of the city means and so we went in the valley we were on top of the hill but living the same sort of life that you have where you're kind of isolated from the harsh realities of the political situation which was very tumultuous in Nigeria at the time but um, it was also kind of like a civil service town where you had your families and you had your schools and um, we young people were what generated the gossip and the gossip would travel across the entire city or town it was just very much we felt like masters of our own universe the same way I guess these sweet valley high kids did I am thinking though now that how delicious it would be to have political turmoil Mm. in the world of sweet valley high not that I'm really looking for any more political turmoil (laughs) in my life right now but um yeah, yeah, that would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. But I love that. That's really cool. And I'm sure all crazy stuff was happening in the US when this was set. But in Sweet Valley, sure. you just don't really feel it. At the end of the civil rights movement or whatever, it's just you don't know what's going on. And it's politically, very rarely mentioned, yeah. you know, the names of presidents mm-hmm. or anything, governors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, though. Um, tell me, have they updated anything? Is there any edition where it's kind of slightly yes more recent actually a number of years ago they started re-releasing the books and i took a look at a couple of them but i couldn't really stomach it because the one big change that i noticed was that instead of being a size six the twins were a size four (gasps) no 
They shrunk them. Yeah, that's so confusing. Yeah, yeah. So that was then. You know, now if it were now in 2017, only 10 years later or less than that. I Mm. I can't remember exactly when these came out, but it was in the past. It was in the past decade. Mm. Less less than 10 years ago. But I actually feel like if they tried to do it now, it's interesting to think. Mm. I think that it would. Well, first of all, I don't think it would work. <laughs> I don't know. We but you have to make some dramatic, yeah. dramatic changes. I love these books as a time capsule yes. and as a glimpse into not only what the past, less what the past was actually like mm-hmm. than what you wish it were like or the way you mm-hmm. nostalgically remember it. And then taking a critical look at them, yeah. you realize, oh, some of this, was not healthy problematic truly problematic and some of the things that we were presenting to young girls um in this time period were less helpful than others (laughs) so true although then again how helpful is it to have your lead characters be you know skinnier than ever yes i know that is such an interesting change because i do feel that even reading this i could feel the relatively decent feminist undertones of and underpinnings of everything that was going on and how it was very much about the women looking out for each other. Um, even if, yeah, there were women who were backstabbing each other, it was more, it didn't feel like it was the catty claws out. It was more the, how do they put it? Um, I don't want to say a masculine way, but it was very much the art of war. Um, Lang Su sort of, this is how strategically a Machiavellian would approach their enemy. So given the true respect rather than this kind of sense of um, random, let's have a a mud wrestling fight because, you know, this is for the entertainment of men. Um, So, yeah, I I thought that was also a useful thing to keep in mind at that tender age in my little town in Inuguan. Also, when I was living in the big city of London where this just felt exotic and very warm as opposed to the wet weather that I was dealing with daily. Oh, true. Yeah. Uh, other than Ronnie, the men in this book, Secrets, mm-hmm. are largely used as pawns mm-hmm. in this war between the female characters. Yeah. That's, That's true. A, that, there is a sort of um, kind of militant feminist perspective, whether you're talking Machiavelli mm-hmm. or Sun Tzu. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's such an interesting perspective. I am thinking about how... As an American reading the books in the Midwest, Mm -hmm. grew up um, in the Midwest, and when I read the Sweet Valley Twins and Sweet Valley Kids books, I was shielded a little bit from the kind of physical beauty aspect, because the books, as I recall, were less like that, and I'm kind of glad that I I wasn't reading the high books at Mm. that age, because I don't know exactly what I would have taken away from Mm -hmm. them, but... I'm delighted that I have them in my life now. (laughs) The nostalgia of just rereading this was just so sweet. Not bitter sweet, just plain sweet. And just thinking, I'm so glad I had this growing up and just this window into a different way. Um, Even if none of it was real, it was still fun. (laughs) Definitely fun. Well, and I had a great time today talking with you. Thank you for having me to your beautiful home. Oh, thank you. Thank you. In beautiful Los Angeles. You made it west to California uh, eventually. I am a um, 
still hankering after living in a split level Spanish style house like yes. these um, kids did. But yeah, I'm almost there, Jessica and Elizabeth. I will. I will get there. Someday we'll all have our Spanish style split level ranch with the tiled floors. Oh my goodness, me. And the uh, red Fiat Spider up front. Oh, of course. Where would we be without the Fiat Spider? <laughs> That's it for this week's extra drama bonus episode. Happy holidays to everybody. And I hope you'll tune in next Thursday when somehow it's going to be 2018. And we'll be discussing Playing With Fire, book number three in the Sweet Valley High saga. I'd love to hear about your experiences growing up reading the Sweet Valley books, or maybe you discovered them later in life. Send me an email at sweetvalleydiaries at me.com. Or send me a tweet, at Sweet Valley. We're also at Sweet Valley Diaries on Instagram. Thanks so much to Don Flaxbart, Lauren Shippen, Jocelyn Schofield, and to Mary-Kate Battles. See you next time.